When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to Holocron Histories, Star Wars canon versus legends. We're going to take a deep dive into the lore of the Star Wars universe. Hello and welcome to the Holocron Histories podcast where we talk about all things Star Wars Legends versus Canon, what Disney has made, what existed before, and how they differ. I am one of your hosts, Austin, also known as Teacup. And I am your other host, Ben of Tamaria. All right, Ben. It's been two weeks. Mm-hmm. We teased this topic two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited to get onto it. Yeah, this is probably our biggest deep dive honestly because it's such of a big deep dive we have to split it into episodes <laughs> so today and for next week or two weeks, two weeks. actually because next week's our patron chat uh we are going to go over the mandalorian history so today will be strictly a legends episode um and then in two weeks we'll do the canon part of the mandalorian history but yeah there is when i was making show notes for today's for this episode or for both episodes i didn't realize how much more history there i forgot how much history there is in mando culture mm-hmm. in legends and there's just so much i remember because so i remember pu- pulling up kotor for the first time because that's where we're first introduced to the... I'm sure, like, the Mandalorian was mentioned, but it's never said in the films. Right. True. Um, and so I had never heard the term come up. There's these warriors or whatever and all kinds of stuff going on with the Mandalorians, and I'm learning all about that, and then I start watching the Clone Wars, you know, a decade later. Right. And then, you know, Dave Filoni and his awesome directing skills in Star Wars fandom nerdom uh, added so much more to the Mandalorian culture and added stuff for the Clone Wars specifically since, you know, the only thing we knew about Mandalorians is, oh, hey, there's Jango Fett. And then eventually we found out, oh, Boba, that's that's it. But this is so interesting to me because... When you learn the history of Legends Mandalorians, 
when you watch the Clone Wars and the first introduction that we get to Mandalore is that they're a neutral pacifist planet. Yes. System. It is a culture. You're like, what has happened yep. in these last years? Because if you play KOTOR, they are not pacifists whatsoever. <laughs> not no, even very, remotely close. They're very like Norse, Dane ish like culture Mm -hmm. very valuing that warrior power and And quite honestly i wouldn't be surprised if that's what they were like loosely based off of Mm -hmm. or like culture wise really like with bioware because bioware is the first ones to really kind of flesh out the mandalorians at least from a game i believe that the mandalorian culture that's fleshed out is the basis for the krogans that come in mass effect yeah Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Easy. Especially, you know, KOTOR was made 2003. What, the first Mass Effect game was, what, 2007? Yep. So. But, yeah, let's get into it. Um, So, to start things off, we have the early history of the Mandalorians. So, the Mandalorians began as a humanoid uh, sung species from the planet of Coruscant, uh, intensifying with the 13 human nations of Coruscant known as the Battalions of Zell began a, mil- a millennia before the Republic and when a powerful volcano nearly wiped out the humans and darkened the skies over Coruscant, the Tung came to call themselves the Da Woda Verda or the Warriors of the Shadow. So originally... Mandalorians are a completely different species. They're humanoid species, but they're not humans. Mm. And then, despite the volcano's devastating effect, the tongue eventually driven off Coruscant and took refuge in the world of Rune, uh, led by the warlord known as Mandalore I, and they would conquer another planet in the Outer Rim in 7000 BBY, which they named Mandalore after their leader. Right, so... This is a po- an important pause here for our listeners who might not know things. We're going to say the l- word Mandalore a lot. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be referring to different people, a planet, and a culture. Yes. Yep. And they have so, one word for many things. <laughs> yes. But Mandalore is both the leader and the name of the planet. Yep. And... To piggyback off that, Mandalorians were around a millennium before the Republic even was around mm-hmm. on the uh, capital world of the Republic on top of that. So well, what I... we see in Coruscant, like, you know, in the films and the games and all that, apparently it was all volcanoes. <laughs> right. I think that the only cult, the only... There are two groups that are older than the Mandalorians that we've talked about, at least on this show, which are uh, the Rattata and the uh, mm-hmm. Infinite Empire. Yep. And the Huts. Yes. Yep. The Rattata and then, uh, yeah, the Hut clans themselves. Rattata specifically, because they're... Yeah. That's a whole thing. Um, and then the tongue took the name Mandalorians and were seen by many of the most skilled fighters in the galaxy. Thriving in battle, these Mandalorian Crusaders were known to use their cutting-edge weaponry 
and held to a strict code of honor and wore armor known simply as crusader armor that differed from one shoulder to or one soldier to the next so I mean, honestly, if you play KOTOR, you can see a lot of Mandalorians have different types of armor on. Some will have the same, but a lot of the NPCs will have unique armors compared to others. And then, uh, for thousands of years, Mandalore's new inhabitants would stray from the Mandalore sector instead of venturing onto Ceres' further conquest to capture worlds of Ordo, uh, Gargon, and Shogun. When the Mandalorians came to nearby um, Mandalia, though the Mandalorian or Mandalian giant natives were only repelled invaders' assaults, but many came to join the Mandalorian culture, having impressed the Mandalorians with their strength and prowess. So this is the time where you know they're inviting other species into their culture than just being right. their own, you know, species themselves. And this is kind of what we see a little bit in the Mandalorian with the whole like foundling thing that is happening in that like being a Mandalorian is kind of like being a Jedi or being a Sith. It's adhering to a set of rules or codes that match up with this culture. Right. And uh, nearly 3000 years after the Mandalore's conquest, at a point prior to 4000 BBY, the Mandalorians began to expand their ongoing crusade outward and engage the Navata species in a conflict that would lead to the extermination of the Navata and the defecation of war in the Mandalorian culture. Personified as the destroyer god Kad Haringer. Uh, shortly before 4000 BBY, the Mandalorians were led by a new Mandalore, Mandalore the Indomitable, and the continuing campaign of expression, the Mandalore led a raid on the planet of Escadrel. Uh, so many words that are like very Norse, actually, now that like mm-hmm. made that comparison. Uh, there, the Mandalorians freed the slaves of the Ish colony, um, taking many of them into their culture, including a young Anton Antos Wyrick. Another victim of the Mandalorian Crusades was the planet of Basilisk. As the Mandalorians invaded, the Galactic Republic sent a relief force under the command of Jedi Master Sindora Dieth to aid the Basilisks. Even when the Republic was sport, the Basculans found their lines being overrun by more numerous Mandalorians, and upon realizing that they were going to lose the battle, the Basculans decided to poison their own planet so the Conquerors would not be able to use the world. That is die hard. Like, what the heck? And, like, you have to understand from a... So, for those of us who are in... The United States, at least we talk about when we talk about World War Two, specifically the Pacific theater and fighting in Japan. There's a whole talk about like fighting the Japanese who it was better to die than surrender because of honor and how much that was taxing on fighting an enemy that would not surrender, would not give up. Mm-hmm. That's the Mandalorians. Right. When you come up, except and they have weapons of mass destruction and 
clever tactics and not only are like a brute force warrior group but a clever warrior group like we'll try something it's like okay we could they are they're very cunning as a Mm -hmm. culture and as a warrior race as much as well and we'll get into this a little bit later especially when they fight when they were first fighting jedi Mm-hmm. The way they got around, I was like, oh, we're going to use blasters. Well, Jedi saber, the lightsabers can, you know, deflect blaster bolts. You know what they do? They change the slugs. <laughs> Good yeah. luck trying to deflect. I mean, that. and that's the thing. And it's other things like a Mandalorian battle unit is going to have no problem sacrificing two thirds of their unit to win. Whereas mm-hmm. a Republic commander or commanders of these other planets are going to be more cautious, which right. is why the Mandalorians have such an easy time conquer- conquering these worlds. Right. So, um, as Bassus fell, uh, but because the planet service was virtually destroyed, the Mandalorians decided to abandon the world and to move on, though not before pillaging a sizable number of Basilisk war droids for future use. The Mandalorians were captured at a large number of Rotolian Basculans, and through centuries of warfare, they uh, degenerated into little more than war, uh, war mounts and beasts of burden, becoming known as the Largagaz War Dragons. So they straight up take this race, basically cultured them to their needs, degenerated them from a actual people to merely as war beasts. Yeah. And take those giant basilisk droids, which if you play Star Wars The Old Republic, or even, I think there's some in KOTOR, if I recall. KOTOR 2. 2. A brief, a brief cutscene that was not enough. Right, yeah. Which, like, because I think it's when you first and go meet um, Mandalore in KOTOR 2, and you go to that city, right? Yeah, you go, it's in the Battle of Onderon. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, those droids are devastating. And they can fly, basically, too. Uh, So now we get to the Great Sith War. Can you hear me? Yes. You're moving now, so this is good. Okay, cool. I have no idea where we left off. Okay, well, we, we're just actually about to get the next point, so we're good. Okay. So, now we get to the Great Sith War. So, seeking further challenges, the Mandalorian Crusaders move towards the Deep Core, setting their sights on the Empress Tata system, or Teta system, and the Mandalorians conquered the rocky world of Quar and utilized the ruined underground cities as a staging ground for their attack on Empress Tata. Uh, when the Mandalorians destroyed a carbonite smelting station, it caught the attention of the fallen Jedi Knight turned Sith Lord Olek Queladrama, who usurped control of Krath forces and command of Empress Tata. Challenged to a duel by Mandalore, Queladrama traveled to Kuar, where he faced off against Mandalore the Indomitable on the plains of Harkul. So. Yeah, fun fun stuff. There's a duel. I'm pretty sure I think pretty sure uh Mandalorian the Indomitable actually won that duel. No. He did not? Against Ulik Quadrama. Uh. Thought he or Quadorma. 
Roma. Huh. He lost. So, despite the use of the Basilisk War Droid, the Mandalore were, uh, was defeated in the duel's aftermath. Swore fealty to Quell and his own Sith Master Exar. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I just read it. Read a little bit further. Uh, thus forged the first Mandalorian Sith Alliance, but while Mandalore was accepted his defeat at the hands of Koldama, several of his supporters had not, including the Zeltan Antos Wyrick. Mandalore's defeat at the former Jedi's hands would drive Wyrick to try to unlock the mysteries of the Jedi's power and the secrets of the Force. Okay, I need a timeline here, and this might be a question that we have to look up later. But we'll get into this later. But as we know, Mandalore, the ultimate, Mm -hmm. which is the Mandalore of the Mandalorian Wars, if you're familiar with the KOTOR game. Yes. He is influenced by uh, Vitiate, Darth Vitiate. Yes. How old is Vitiate? Like, is he around during the Exar Kun Wars? Because I know that he, he yeah, because he talks about thousands. He's thousands right. of years old. Because he talks about Naga Shadow's Sith mm. Order. Yep. Yeah. He, so yeah, Vishia is thousands and thousands of years old. How many wars in the galaxy is this man orchestrating from Druid Cost? Like too many to count, honestly. <laughs> Until the time of um, Star Wars: The Old Republic, yeah, he he's basically orchestrated or influenced at some point, basically at every single point in time. For Until the Reven, the Revenarchists or whatever they're called. Yeah, the Revenites. The Revenites. Yeah, that's true. That he's not there, but. Eh. He he's Wait. like in the premise of the story if you play that the shadow revan expansion which if you want a follow-up to the revan story from kotor one oh the book you can read the book and there is a small expansion or a pretty sizable storyline in the old republic mmo um i mean it's not the biz biggest expansion it's the second expansion that happened for the game back in like 20. 13 i think it dropped right so it's not terribly huge like it's introduced a new planet of yavin for so we're mm-hmm. going to the moon of yavin and yeah you take down the spoiler for anybody who hasn't played old republic um revan never died Mm-hmm. <laughs> from the end of KOTOR 1 and KOTOR 2 he never died he went off and you know into deep space try to find vitiate and instead um, you know, get captured by him, and then it gets imprisoned, and he's been imprisoned for three over three hundred years. Right. So, yeah, but then like his dark side essence becomes the whole thing. So, right. Yeah, that's a little thing there. Uh, so now we get into the Mandalorian Wars. <laughs> so. During the next 20 years, peace prevailed and the galaxy began to slowly recover from the damage inflicted during the war, entering the era of rebuilding and renewal known as the Restoration Period. On the Mandalorian side, the new Mandalore, going by the title of Mandalore the Ultimate, undertook the task of rebuilding the Mandalorian clans that had been greatly diminished in the war. Which makes sense. 
And then with many of the uh, original Mandalorian species, the tongue now dead, Mandalore the Ultimate aggressively expanded the recruiting efforts welcoming members of all alien descent into the Mandalorian culture. So, they have, like, brought in species, other species into the Mandalore culture, but Mandalore the Ultimate specifically, like, like, we're recruiting everybody who wants to be. I don't care. Right. Which is just, it's kind of like, like, another, like, notch on the thing of the Mandalorian style of conquest, because Mandalore the Ultimate is basically attacking these Outer Rim worlds, like, um... Doros and um, Cathar and there's another one that I'm thinking of but I can't figure. but he's attacking all of these worlds and then just taking people mm-hmm. and they're starting to serve the Mandalore so every world he conquers he builds his army yeah and he, he took over a lot <laughs> yes I'm pretty sure Ryloth was in there and mm-hmm. it's just I think a so. lot and then, as a result, the Mandalorian ranks swelled in the influx of warriors from countless worlds in an effort to help cohesion and uphold order among the Motley ranks. A new generation of more uniformed armor and imp- implemented at the suggestion of the Mandalore's closest advisor, Cassus Fett, uh, thus forming a powerful new generation of warriors known as the Neo Crusaders. Huh, where did we heard that name before? Fett. Hmm. Well, this is important, too, because the Neo-Crusaders, that's the armor. The armor they're talking about is the one that you see in the KOTOR games. Correct. Yep. That lacks the jetpack and the helmet style. More slim, slim, um, streamlined styles. Yeah. Different colors. Yeah. Blue, silver, red, black, gray, you know. And then uh, Antus Wyrick continued his research into the Jedi in the Force, conducting the New Generation Academy on Odessa, where he attempted to form a sect of Force-using Mandalorians called the Mandalorian Knights. See, I didn't know that was a thing until like mm. researching this. It's like, oh, what? That's devastating. Mandalores had their own Jedis? What? And then, in the decades since their defeat in the Great Sith War, many Mandalorians had become convinced that their once uh, prophesied great last battle was soon to be hand, and bought, uh, emboldened by the element of the true Sith in hiding, Mandalore the Ultimate launched a campaign into the Outer Rim and edge into Republic space. Hmm, that true Sith, who could that be? <laughs> it's vi- yeah, it's Vitiate. He's the true Sith. Like, Vishit, we all know Palpatine, and Palpatine is all kinds of scary and awful. Vishit is, like, times 1,000 of him. Yes. Like, he's terrifying. Vishit doesn't need a Death Star. No, he is a Death Star. Yes. <laughs> he literally wiped down a planet by himself with just using his uh, Force powers. So, uh, the Mandalorians seemed on the verge of victory with the Republic outmatched and overwhelmed by the sheer ferocity of the Mandalorian tactics. Finally, when the Jedi Revenchus unveiled the true events of the Cathar genocide in a tragic vision, hundreds of Jedi followed the Knights Revan and Malak into the war against the Mandalorians, no longer able to stand back and watch without action. Which, 
if you play Kotor, your companion Juhani, she is a Cathar. Yes. So to put a little face with the Cathar genocide. They, mm-hmm. I mean, they wipe out almost the entire planet. Yeah, it, it it was bad. There's a reason there are no Cathars in the Clone Wars or the Galactic Civil War. Their their species is wiped out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Revan proved to be an extremely capable commander in the field, masterminding a string of military victories and rose swiftly through the ranks of the Jedi, uh, Republic military with the now. N- Newfound authority to spearhead the Republic war effort, Revan spurred an all-out but defeated a Republic Navy to push the Mandalorians back. In relatively short order, the Mandalorians were forced off of Terrace, driven from uh, Dunks? Duran? Duxon. Duxon. There we go. And uh, even Callus Fett's victory at Jaga's Cluster could little do little to halt the Republic's growing momentum. And to to expand upon that more, Revan, as we if you play Kotor One, um, or even play the Old Republic, you like Revan was a genius strategist to where he was. He could easily obliterate an entire army with just like you know a couple platoons, kind of a thing. Like he right. did an amazing, he was an amazing commander. So, if you're wondering why all of us Kotor and Revan fans freaked out in the Rebel episodes where Kanan teaches Sabine and he says, "Here's a history lesson: Mandalore lost the war with the Jedi." That's why we all freaked out. Yeah, yeah, it was a hint towards Revan without them like you know fully announcing Revan's name he's like hey yeah the Mandalorian Wars yeah we won against that there was a reason why (laughs) (laughs) and then in the year 3960 BBY uh, would usher in the ultimate battle of Mandalorian Wars as Revan forced a confrontation with Mandalorians in orbit over Malachor 5 Drawing upon the dark side energies of Malachor, Revan faced off against Malachor, Mal- Mandalore, the ultimate, in a single combat, slaying the Mandalore. Uh, the experimental superweapon known as the Mesh Shadow Generator was activated by the one of Revan's Jedi generals, destroying the Mandalorian fleet, and but the cost of a significant amount of the Republic fleet as well. With the fleet in ruins and their leader dead, the Mandalorians transmitted their unconditional surrender. I don't know why the wiki and every source always says one of Revan's It's the Jedi exile. Yeah, it's Mitra Suri. She is the one who activates the mass shadow generator. Yeah, Technically, she just gives the order. True, true. But she's... She, you know takes the brunt of the force of the flipping generator though and cut herself off from the force which if you don't know who the Jedi Exile is play KOTOR 2 that is your character Uh, canonically though uh, it is a female uh, Mm -hmm. Jedi so and she's also in the book of of the Old Republic Revan book which takes place after both games Mm -hmm. Before it's kind of a nice tie up to both games if you want to it is it's a really good it's a good tie-up to both, with both Revan and with the Jedi Exile specifically, with a tie-in going into the Old Republic games. Because uh, 
Lord Scourge is in the game is in the book. Right. And then uh Which it's by Drew Capershon, who is the writer for Kotor. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. That makes a lot of sense. And then um now we get to the Dark Wars. So, following the defeat of the end of their Mandalorian Wars, Revan stripped the Mandalorians of their armor and destroyed their stockpiles of weaponry, along with the war droids they written uh, into battle upon. He also took the Mask of Mandalore, the relic that had been passed from one Mandalore to the next, and without it, a new leader could not be declared. With no Mandalore, the Mandalorian clans fragmented and scattered throughout the Outer Rim. So, this is basically before and during the events or no, this is before KOTOR 1. Yeah. Um, and this is why when you get to KOTOR, you see some Mandalorians in armor and some Mandalorians not in armor. Because mm-hmm. they're, they're lost, essentially. Yeah. Um, but far too soon after the last... Uh, the galaxy found itself entangled into another war, one featuring Revan's return into the galactic scene as a newly turned Sith Lord and his apprentice Darth Malak at his side. The the re-Christianed uh, Darth Revan, quote-unquote, uh, turned the galaxy on itself as the attempt to claim the power of the Rakatan artifact known as the Starforge. And then Revan would disappear from the galaxy seeking out the true sith that he believed lurked in the unknown regions before he did though revan uh his memories of who he had been returned gave him the mask of mandalore that he claimed upon defeating the mandalore the ultimate to ordo who is one of your companions in kotor one with the instructions to reunite the scattered mandalorian clans revan informed ordo that he had been the Sith behind Mandalore, the Ultimate's decision to go to war with the Republic. And with the Mandalorian's mask now back into the Mandalorian hands, Candorus uh, Ordo became the new Mandalore, taking the name Mandalore the Preserver. During the quest to reunite the clans, Ordo came upon what had made been one of the last remaining tongue in the galaxy. And then we get to the events of KOTOR 2, which you as the Jedi Exile eventually meet him back up on... Um, the moon of Onderon? Duxon. Duxon. And um, mm-hmm. reunite with him there, and he joins your party again. Um, yeah. And then this, the events of the mask getting back to Ordo is in the book of... Um, the Revan book. Revan book. It's the like, later half. Mm-hmm. Um, or like mid-part of the book. Yeah. It's so. a cool scene. Yeah. Um, so there's part of the book is like before KOTOR 2 and then the other half is after KOTOR 2. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that, that's, I think it's a good time to, like, to stop for a break. But yeah, there, there's a, so much more Mandalorian stuff. A lot of it dealt with Revan. So he, he had yeah. a big influence on their culture. And, like, I always thought that the mask that Revan wore mm-hmm. was the mask of Mandalore, but it was not. No, it was just some random Mandalor- Mandalorian mask he pick- just picked up off the field. Yeah. Right. Still awesome. I mean, a lot of Mandalorians, this is the big, like, shock value before we go to break, is when Revan defeats Mandalore the Ultimate and he doesn't don the mask, 
because he could have claimed leadership. Oh yeah, of the Mandalorians, he could have said, "I'm the new Mandalore." Yep, but nope. <laughs> He's like, "Yep, nope." To um, to really have my strategy be effective, I'm going to strike a blow so bad that they won't be able to find themselves for decades. Right. But so what happens is that the reason Revan goes and then comes back as a thing is that at his death, Mandalore realizes and he confesses that it was Vitiate who mm-hmm. told him to go to war. Yep. And so Revan is like, Oh Malik, crap, have, there's a Sith in charge. Malak, we yeah, need we to, have go to go to... find Yep, they go into the Unknown Regions, they find Vitiate, and then... The reason they turn come back as Sith is because Vicious brainwashed them, erased their memories, mm-hmm. um, and made them his own puppets. Yep. So, yeah, and then you you know you get to the events of Kotor One, where you find out, oh hey, spoiler, you're Revan as a as the playable character. Spoiler for a twenty year old game, right? It's literally it's actually twenty. Yeah, it's going to be twenty year old this year. Yeah, it's, this year turns twenty this year. Holy crap! I think it came out in like April. Yeah, something, or something like, like that. that. So it's like soon. But yeah, I think it's a good time to take our mid break. Yeah, well, let's go to it. All right. Well, welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about all things. They have to do with the show, but not about the lore of Star Wars. Uh, it's here where we thank our patrons. And if you'd like to join us on Patreon, on patrons, you, as a patron, if you would like to join us as a patron, you can go to Patreon and sign up for various tiers. Uh, it's not too late to sign up and join us next week for our patron chat. Our topic will be on the new Mandalore tra- Mandalorian trailer. Yeah, three. we'll go over like, you know. Spe- speculations of what Mandalor- or Mandalorian season three will hold for us. So, be a lot of fun. Just so much Star Wars stuff. Yeah. Um. So you can do that. You can also support us by leaving ratings or reviews on Apple or Spotify. If you leave us a five star review with some kind words, we will read it out on a future episode of the show. And other than that, come hang out with us on Discord on the Cups Podcasting and More Discord server or the Robots Radio Discord server. You can find us hanging out there. You can find us for this show, for my other shows, the Assassin's Creed Lorecast, the Dragon Age Lorecast, the Inheritance Cycle Page-by-Page Podcast. You can find Ben with his Wizarding World Lorecast on the Robots Radio Network. Uh, this is the This used to be the only podcast where you could find both of us on an episode. But Ben guest on the Assassin's Creed lore cast, so if you want to check out his thoughts on Ezio, you can go listen to that episode. It was so much fun. It's great, and I love Assassin's. I love Assassin's Creed so much. So, yeah, I had a lot of insight. Ezio is probably my is was is my favorite character. Yeah. So yeah, that's all I got for the middle of the show. Cool. Well, I don't really have anything else to add. Um. So I will, let's get back into more history with Mandalorians. Yeah. (laughs) 
Alright, so now that we're back, uh, we are now into the Great Galactic War. So, despite Kendris uh, Ordo's attempts to unite the scattered clans during the time as Mandalore, the Mandalorians would remain fragmented for nearly three centuries. Mandalore the Infernal, who were who held the title prior to the conflict, were request designs for missiles that had been involved in thermonuclear fusion. So, Mandalore the Infernal was dealing with nukes. Lovely. And then that would change in the year of 3661 BBY after the reconsulted, uh, reconstructed Sith Empire made its return to the galaxy. In the war against the Republic, the Sith turned to the Mandalorians for aid, attempting to recruit the galaxy's most infamous mercenaries and bounty hunters to their cause. And then entered the events of Star Wars The Old Republic. And a lot happens in that game where we're not going to go over because I'll, you can play it, and it's a it's a free game to you can play. If you really want to get into the Mandalorian stuff, play the Bounty Hunter. Mm-hmm. The Bounty Hunter storyline will have a lot more with the Mandalorian stuff. You can actually become a Mandalore or a Mandalorian, not Mandalore, but Mandalore. Can Mandalore? <laughs> no, can't become Mandalore, but you can become a Mandalorian. And you actually have Mandalorian companions, which uh, which is pretty cool too. So technically, Duchess Satine is Mandalore is a Mandalore. Yes, technically, that is true. And then, <laughs> yeah. Now we get to the new Sith Wars. So during the new Sith Wars, the Mandalorians would break from what. Uh, many perceived to be a long-standing alliance and waged war against the Sith. During the first quarter of the new Sith Wars, the one group of Mandalorians was approached by Jedi Master Mutog. Uh, Mutog offered a large amount of credits in order to enlist the Mandalorians' help in assaulting the camp of the mysterious Dark Lord of the Sith, known as Dark Underlord. Uh, Dark Underlord. The Mandalorians attacked the Sith camp on Malrev IV uh, with a force of Vengada's war dragons, and the numerous soldiers equipped with the Mandalorian battle harnesses. The Mandalorians would draw the forces of Dark Underlord's general, allowing Master Murtaugh uh, to infiltrate Underlord's fortress, where he slew the Sith Lord in combat, but fell to the dark side in the process. Don't you love that? That's, all- That's always good, you know. All right. Oh, I'm going to defeat my enemy, before. and then I become my enemy. Good job. Yeah, that's a that's a common trope with Jedi, sadly. Yeah. Uh, and then during the tail end of the New Sith Wars, the Mandalorian people were in disarray. By 1058 BBY, the Kandorian Plague had ravaged the population, and sh- uh, and their ships had to form caravans to defend themselves from raiding dwellings in neighboring sectors. Mm-hmm. So something almost wiped them out. Gotta love plagues. And upon seeing the state of the people, Aga Wadud, a mercenary, claimed the title of Mandalore, the Uniter, and became the movement called the Return, urging Mandalorian dy- uh, dystopia across the galaxy to return to the homeworld. Under the rule, Mandalorian space thrived, emerging as a regional power in the Outer Rim. 
Yeah, that's fun. I think let's pop what I think like if I was Mandalore, like do they just like so Candorous and other than like they come out like Candorous obviously picks Mandalore the preserver because he's trying to preserve the Mandalorian culture, but like is it given to you? Do you pick it? Because if uh I picked it beforehand, I would just be cocky and I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna be Mandalore the undefeated. That's a good question, actually. I don't know how their titles get like determined. Right. I'd imagine I would, the, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, something like that. It's probably retroactive, actually, because it's probably when they look at because if you have history, could get confusing. Mm-hmm. Especially like we're about to get into like a Mandalorian civil war. Well, Mandalore fought Mandalore. Okay, Mandalore, the Conqueror fought Mandalore, the Wimpy. I don't know. Right. Yeah. So. Holocron Histories, Mandalore, the Wimpy. (laughs) We're trademarking it. Um, So now we get to a cultural shift. So. In 738 BBY, following a significant growth in the Mandalorian. Uh, militarancy and alarmed the Republic and the Jedi protectors. A brief and targeted conflict broke out between the Republic and the Mandalorians and brought devastation to the Mandalore sector. Despite the Mandalorians' involvement in defending the galaxy against both the Eternal Empire and the new Sith. So the Eternal Empire was still around for some- somehow. Well, they're eternal. Come on, Ben. Right, I know, right? It's in the name. <laughs> Which eternal empire is so interesting to me because eternal means you have no beginning or no end. Mm-hmm. But they ended. Right. They ended they ended and they had a beginning. Mm-hmm. So yep. are you eternal? Are you eternal? No, you are not. Sorry. And then uh portions of the planet Mandalore were reduced to barren white sand deserts. While many of the new warrior clans scattered out of the ashes rose the new Mandalorian faction. Uh, doing away with many of the old warrior codes, the Mandalorians put historically followed. The new Mandalorians put forward the idea that the best opportunity to, for Mandalorian survival and prosperity would come through being peaceful, neutral, and tolerant. Hmm. Hey, you know how we're really uh, have this cool culture that like breeds strong warriors? It might get us into trouble sometimes, but like it's really cool and like people respect us. We're going to throw out the window. <laughs> Yeah, let's just throw it out the window. <laughs> let's just get rid. Let's get rid of it. Yeah. And then although although a large number of Mandalorians joined in the new Mandalorian movement, other clans chose to continue the path they walked for centuries. The ancient tradition survived in Mandalore's countryside, with the traditionalist Mandalores calling themselves the Akalite uh, or Faithful in Manda. Uh, the title of Mandalore subsequently passed to members of the Akalit. And then following a 200 BBY war, the Mandalorian uh, warrior clans were responsible for the genocide of the Ethurian race. In response, uh, the ruling Mandalore of the time brought down an alliance of rogue group of Jedis and a bounty hunter guilds and assassinated by the Gendaya bounty hunter, Durg, in his ongoing quest for a vengeance against the Mandalorians for the death of his mentor, Jang. Hmm. 
Gotta love those long wars. 200. And they wiped out an entire race. Now, this race, obviously, we don't actually... Uh, I looked it up and seen if they, there's actual pictures. It's not. It's just referenced. Right. Because it's not the Ethelians that we think that you're thinking of, like, Doc Ondar. Like, he's in a... Mm-hmm. He's in something similar. Thorian. Thorian. Thorian is completely different. Yeah. So, now we get to the Mandalorian Civil War. Uh... <laughs> Mandalorian Civil War, as it came to be known, uh, swallowed up Mandalore's full-time army and several prominent clans, but the two factions were relatively small in comparison to the overall Mandalorian population. Mandalorians living away from Mandalore were scarcely affected, even those in the Mandalore sector. However, the idealistic differences between Tor Vizsla and Jestar Marel were the central of the war, and the Path of Mandalorians would take the foreseeable future. In the year 58 BBY, the Mandalorian Civil War spilled onto the agriculture world of Condon, Cord, 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 Concordon. Concord, gosh, yes, Concord, jeez. Concordon, during the fighting, Jestar Marel and his soldiers were faced to retreat and seek refuge. From the Death Watch on the farm, the local journeyman protector by the name of Fett. So there, there's a lot of um, words that you, if anybody who's watched the Clone Wars might know. One, Vizsla, that, that's a big one. Death Watch. Mm-hmm. And we have another Fett. Hmm. Yep. And then... When the Death Watch found out Fett had been hiding their enemies, Vizsla brutally interrogated the man in front of his young son, Django. Uh, before Vizsla could kill the farmer, who refused to give up Morel and his men, Fett's wife opened fire on the Death Watch with a blaster rifle. In the resulting chaos, both Fett and his wife were killed, although Morel managed to rescue young Django from the, uh, from the Death Watch. Hmm. Django. Hmm. I wonder who that is. Well, this is the kind of like, and this is kind of like dipping both into Legends and Canon. Yeah. Because we do know that Django Fett was a foundling. Yes. True. So, but the Death Watch would not view anyone who is not of their members as true Mandalore. True. Yep. So they would, he would be considered a foundling, even though he. In this version, he has some ancestry in actual Mandalore ancestry. Yes, that is true. So then six years later, in 52 BBY, the true Mandalorians believed the threat of the Death Watch would be over and returned. Their focus on acting as a mercenary army contracted by the Corda Defense Force, the true Mandalorians journeyed to Corda 6 to extract a team of rookie security personnel penned down under fire by a group of local hostiles, supposedly poorly armed and with no formal army. And then unfortunately, the intelligence reports were grossly inaccurate. When the Mandalorians uh, landed, they came under heavy fire from the Cordon natives, and the resulting battle took heavy casualties. Jestar Morel ordered a retreat, but his second-in-command, Montross, uh, refused and insisted they press on. When they injured in a grenade strike it was up to morel to provide rescue killing no less than three enemy cordon in the process and then 
At the time of Mandalorian's uh, landing zone, Montrass now urged the Mandalorians to head Morrell's final orders and pull out, claiming the Morrell uh, was dead and had that Jango had perished trying to save him. However, Fett returned to the landing zone, carrying him with the Morrell's body, exposing Montrass as a liar and a traitor. When Montrass insisted the Morrell would uh, have wanted him to com- uh, take command, the other Mandalorians denounced Montrass at Blaster Point and Morrell's chosen uh, and declared that they would only follow Fett, uh, just our Morrell's chosen heir. Montrass was grudely allowed to leave, slipping into exile while the Django uh, became the new Mandalore and leader of the new true Mandalorians. So, in Legends, Jenko was a, was a Mandalore. Mm-hmm. And then, under Fett's leadership, the true Mandalorians scored a significant victory against the Death Watch in the years leading up to 44 BBY uh, that left the Watch in... that left the watch, Death Watch severely crippled, but rather than uh, concede defeat, Vizsla turned to the general of Galadron, I think that's how you say it, to uh, refuge his assistance in rebuilding on the Death Watch. As per Vizsla's plan, the governor contracted the true Mandalorians to put down the local insurrection. Sweet. Yeah. Vizsla's not having a good day. Nope. And then uh, the true Mandalorians traveled to uh, Galadron, uh, where they dealt with the rebels, and upon completion of their task, Fett went to the governor's estate to collect the payment. Uh, by that time, however, the governor had already contra- uh, contacted the Jedi Council with a request, or a request for aid, claiming that the Mandalorians were murdering political activists along with innocent women and children. In response to the governor's concern over the lack of evidence, Vizsla assumed that his own men would supply a necessary body count. And then Fett became aware of the governor's involvement with the Death Watch, and while there, demanded to know the whereabouts of Vizsla. At the moment, Vizsla revealed himself there in the castle and attacked Fett uh, with a carter of Death Watch soldiers, forcing him to flee. Uh, Fett rushed to make back to base camp, trying to unsuccessfully to calm his second command, um, Miles, where they warmed him around, warned him of the inbound Jedi ships he spotted, but arrived at the same time as a Jedi strike team led by Jedi Master Dooku. So now we're getting. Oh no, I have a dog. Which, fun fact, we learned, I learned this week, Dooku is his first name. It is not his last name. It is his first name. Is it really? Yes. His last name is uh, the name of the planet. Ah, I did not know that. And then... Um, Shelby told me that, so I can't take credit for that. <laughs> uh, demanding that the Mandalorians uh, stand down on charges of suspected murder, the innocent Mandalorians... It, indignantly opened fire on the Jedi in the assurance shootout 11 Jedi were killed six of which were uh, felled felled by Fett himself following the death of Miles along the every other true Mandalorian there saved for Fett himself and then in the battle's aftermath the Jedi delivered the subdued Fett into custody of the Galarian's governor who 
in turn sold fat into slavery, though it seemed that Death Watch had won the war, successfully manipulating the Jedi and destroying their enemy for them. After several years spent aboard a space spice transport and bound for or inbound servitude, the fat managed to escape, recover the armor from the governor of Glandaran and tracked Vizsla's ship to Corellia, where he killed Vizsla after a lengthy fight, avenging the true Mandalorians and dealing the final blow of the war. Thanks, Django. <laughs> right. And then the remaining Death Watch members scattered vanishing, vanishing from the galaxy a large number of Mandalorian um, principal of Baslan Shivla or strate- Strategic Disappearance Fett scared, uh, scarred by the loss of the true Mandalorian components in his years of a slave, grew distant from the rest of the people, of his people, and his role as Mandalore, turning instead uh, toward the solitary life of a bounty hunter. As such, Mandalore's post-war reconstruction fell largely upon the new Mandalore government, now under the leadership of Karnvala native Duchess Satine Cruz. <laughs> And then the Mandalorians. I like her just fine, and she's a great companion for Obi Wan. She's a terrible leader for Mandalore. That's fair. That is fair. And then uh, the Mandalorians chose to retain their traditional lifestyles, but also reject Death Watch's ideals. Came from an old Mandalorians. Some of the old Mandalorians chose to leave the Mandalorian sector to Vimoth Port under the leadership of Nam. Barona. And then now we get to the events of the Clone Wars. Yes. So. Also, we'll get to this in Legend or in Canon stuff, but we did not forget that there is a Mandalorian Jedi in the history of the Darksaber, but that is Canon material. Yeah, that is not Legend. So we'll talk about that. Yes. Yeah, there there's they there's a lot more depth to Legends, but it's also in canon, there's a lot more refined history in the lighter half, specifically mm-hmm. like towards m- closer to the Clone Wars. Yeah. Compared to so that, Legends. I think that's all we got for part one. So you'll have to come back in two weeks for part two canon of the Mandalorian history. Yes. Because next week will be Patreon episode where we will yeah. talk about more Mandalorian, just yes. about the show. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you all for listening to all the Cron Histories podcast. We will see you next week. And, and may the Force be with you. Thank you for listening to Holocron Histories, Star Wars Canon versus Legends. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can also follow us on Twitter at SWHoloHistories and contact us at holocronhistories at gmail.com. Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives, a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the lands between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Nicola. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later, and we'll see you in the lands between. Again, that's The Elden Archives, a FromSoft Lorecast available everywhere.